Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside on the Erie campus most often. have my great friend in the booth with me today, Thomas Milburn. We're excited to be back. The Weekly is finally kicking off for the fall. Thanks for giving us a break, a mental break, a physical break, letting us settle in into the fall rhythms before we hit record on these podcasts. We're so glad to be with you. You can always write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. Like always, we love hearing from you throughout the week. Our good friend John caught me on the block a couple weeks ago. He's like, Jay, when is the weekly going to come back out? It's like, John, get me through Labor Day. <laughs> then it'll be there. I know. Thank you for your patience. We know that the, the crowds, the multitudes, the thousands <laughs> have been texting, emailing, craving, <laughs> One more podcast. One more, because there's not that many in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's, but there's only a couple. You can always go to your where you listen to your weekly and do us a solid and review our podcast. We only take five-star reviews. They're the best reviews in the world. Just take some time. It helps actually the algorithms populate the weekly on those podcasting platforms, as well as always share an episode with your friends. You can snap uh, a picture of the weekly and then uh, shoot it off to your friends. Let them know that you're listening. Okay, enough salesmen. Hey, we got a lot of things happening at Calvary right now. You can always go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, or go to calvarybible.com and slash events and hear what's going on in your neck of the woods. The fall is off, and we got a lot of great things happening. (coughs) Sorry. Battling a cold still. And uh, we love you, and let's get to the podcast. And the first question I have for Thomas today is, when you read Luke 3, you, like, knocked the names out of the park. And I was so impressed. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> that is the hardest, people, the hardest thing about reading in public is biblical names. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for Western Americans, right? I don't uh, know, man. It yeah, probably, it's probably been hard ever since the beginning. Let's let's just be honest. Like, I just struggle with names. Period. Yes. Um, I, I just it's it's a weakness of mine. Um, I have no real like global <laughs> international ability to recognize foreign names. Yes. And I know this because I've been watching the U.S. Open, <laughs> and, they, and then I hear the announcers like say a name, and then I go to read it. I'm like, there's not a vowel in that person's name. Yeah, or an H, or like, what? What is happening? I would love to learn how to pronounce names better. Ooh, that's a really good, that would be really interesting. You know, be, well, a terrible fear of mine would be a teacher <laughs> in the first day of school, and all you have is a name list, and you're like, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you just shot in the dark. Yeah, totally. It's Thomas, <laughs> Th- Th- Thomas here. It's Thomas. You know, okay, that's what I would do. They, 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 they. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like phonetics. All right. I've always wondered how they do that on, especially in sports, especially like in hockey season when there's all these Slavic names. Oh man, the coolest you're, names ever. And you're like, how did y'all get in a room and like practices for weeks? They Is they like, must have, right? Yeah, they must have. They have to do a lot of homework, I'm sure, to pull that off. But man, people have some really rad names. Yeah, I, yeah, it's really. American names are pretty boring compared to the rest of the world. <laughs> but they probably think... You'll be Tom. You'll be Jay. Okay. And there's a Bob. 
Okay, so uh, random, but have you seen The Rise of Gru? Yet? Yeah, yes, with my kids. What a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a Bob. You know, the, it's really funny. We looked up Minion, like how to, how to speak Minion. Yeah. Because you hear some, sometimes you hear Spanish, oh, yeah, French, gonna, yeah, yeah. Uh, Italian, and that's what they do. They just like blend them all together. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah, yeah, okay. in their language. It's so funny. It's, it's really so funny. What a funny thing. I, I love the minions. I like I don't know something about those cute little yellow guys. <laughs> this warms my heart. They're just happy to be alive. Like They're let's happy. do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the best. I you know, anytime a minion movie comes out, I'm one of the first to watch it. Yes. Because I'm like, I just need that simple humor of life. Oh, I find it very complex. Yeah, it is complex. <laughs> one of the best things in all of Movie history happens in this movie, and I won't give it away, but it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so send your favorite movie to oh, the weekly. We would love to hear. We're gonna I, would, read I would love to know. Yeah, top We're, 10. Top 10, but we're not going to name last names. <laughs> like no, we I, will not. We'll name first names. First name. If they're in English. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We, 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 have dis- we have discredited the rest of this podcast. Yes, we have. Hey, so, but I was super impressed. How do you learn biblical names? How do you learn how to pronounce those biblical names? You want to know the cheat sheet? Yep. Okay. Everyone wants to know the cheat sheet. Everyone (laughs) wants to know the cheat sheet. I actually don't think I do a good job pronouncing biblical names. And there's actually, you know, controversy of how you pronounce biblical names. There definitely is. So I'll I'll say a biblical name and then someone says, actually, that's not how you say it. And then they'll try to correct me. I'm like, you know, I I actually just don't know. Yeah. I'm glad you know. I don't know. Um, so the way I kind of cheat my way through it is I have a few Bible apps. Mm-hmm. You can go to a few online as well and they'll read the Bible to you and you can get multiple translations and just listen to like three or four people, listen to a gal, listen to a guy, listen to Siri. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just try to read through a text a few times and that gets it in my head. That's really There's good. There's also a, a website I haven't been to in a while. It's like, how to pronounce biblical names.com or something like that. <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. And now that's where like some of the controversy is because they'll go to all these different places and names and yeah. they'll give a different pronunciation pronunciation than you've ever heard before. What? And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. I figured the guy who recorded the NIV is pretty accurate. You know what, what I mean? Like the guy who like who read it <laughs> yeah. out loud yeah. is pretty accurate. I, I He's got to so. have some experts in the room saying, you have to say it this way. Or he might just be in a basement somewhere <laughs> and looking to collect a check. I yeah, don't know. Uh, that's but. crazy. <laughs> that's so cynical. That is so cynical. That's so funny. No, the NIV would not have had anyone read it except someone who knew exactly how to say every word. Or the ESV, extra sanctified version. <laughs> extra sanctified version. Yes. Um, you know, actually, I really like uh, Bible Gateway. And then the ESV, actually the Crossway ESV app, they have, I know that other people do it, but they have um, some great voices recording, saying out loud the Bible story. I, I think Crossway has done the best job in the narration of the Bible. It's, I mean, yeah. It's really solid. It's better than like the U version guy. I don't know, up. yeah. Some of them have like thematic music behind it. Oh, it's a little much for me. Is it? Yeah. It actually helps me a little bit sometimes. I just want to listen to my grandma read the Bible to me. Yeah. 
Have you ever have you ever spent time with the street light guys? Interesting group, yeah. Interesting, right? How do you feel about that? It's super unique. Explain what what street light is. Well, I, I'm not an expert. On it. We should probably get Chris Barn or Chris B. No last names on this podcast. No Chris last B. name on the podcast. Uh, it's like a modern vernacular, modern vernacular Bible reading. Yeah, sometimes re- rendered in like slam poetry. Yeah, rap. It's really interesting. It's it's a great way to sort of read a familiar text to listen to. Yeah, a familiar I would say text. that's probably one of my favorite things. Is you know when you get ready to preach on something or you're just in your study, read multiple translations. Yeah. Just because it helps you to slow down. Yeah. When you, you read the same translation over and over again, and you've like so familiarized yourself with it, mm-hmm. it just doesn't, it doesn't have the tendency to pop and like grab your attention. No doubt. I think that's why I've sometimes been drawn to the paraphrase of the message, especially like Romans 12, one and two. I think, Eugene yeah. does a wonderful job. Did you of, like Scott reading that on I Sunday? I loved Scott reading that on Sunday, but yeah. you knew I would. I knew you would. I knew it. would. But like uh, that one, Psalm 1, uh, or probably the John 1 as well in the message, or probably, I don't like the message and how it renders the text all the time, but those seem to be some pop passages that pop yeah. when they're read in the message for me. Just how it, my brain works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about paraphrasing Bibles? I think everything has its purpose. Mm. Yeah. There are some that I wouldn't necessarily teach out of, but everything yeah. has everything has a purpose. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a middle road. Thank you. Answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we, we you actually did like really minions. Good. I really appreciate minions. It has its purpose. It does have its purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So there's these names. Why are names in the Bible so important? Well, I, I mean, we talked about this as far as like pertaining to specifically Luke, but I think it's broader context of New Testament writers. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways it's the footnotes. So they're listed to give a, a person a geographical time or geographical location and a historical time, right? So it's going to situate a story in history as opposed to legend long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, that's really true. So it's nice because you say, okay, did this actually happen? Were these people around at the same time? Did they even overlap? So one of the interesting things from Luke 3 we didn't talk about is you, know, you have Annas and, and Caiaphas, the high priests. Well, you only really have one high priest right. at a time. So Annas, is, his father-in-law, was the high priest before him, but it's but he kind of was always situationally seen as the high priest. Right. He sort of had power without having power. Right, without the position. Yeah. It's kind of like ex-presidents in yeah, a way, right? Totally. They're always president. Um, but in some way, like, you can actually go look and say, well, did he die before Caiaphas was, you know, in office or had that position or did they actually serve at the same time? And you find out, oh, my goodness, it's exactly like Luke had written from other historians that Annas was high priest before Caiaphas and that he continued to live after he gave up his position to Caiaphas but was seen as the high priest. And so they saw two high priests at this time, which was unique in their history. There's all these, like, validation of fact in history yeah totally now you're answering some of one of my major questions today but what is in your luke study of these people of history that's really captured your attention outside of caiaphas and annas well i think just the fact that they're real people Hmm. you know like no one not everybody's good not everybody's directly bad yeah there's a lot of like mixed characters yeah where you're just going you know the only way you have that kind of depth to a, a person is if you're getting a full story. Right. 
Right. You know, you're not making straw men up here. It's history is complex. Yeah. Uh, humans are complex. Our story is complex, and the Bible sort of validates that. That's what you're saying. Oh, yeah, and I think the other piece is just, you know, we don't think about it because we're 2,000 years after it, but someone received Luke's letter, uh-huh. and then they're like, I got some questions. Yep. Where did he get this information? They jumped on a boat and went. Yeah, or some, you yeah. Know, something that's like, well, I'm just going to go talk to him because that person's still alive. Yeah, he's, oh, I, I saw him last like, week. Did this really happen? Did you tell Luke this? Is this true? Like, And you get to go validate mm-hmm. even what you heard from Luke. And so the, I think I've heard it said, and I, I, I would believe it. It's like the historical footnotes mm. in the text because that's how they did it. That's how they did it. That's how they put you into the historical. What's the source? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. What's the source of my information? That's really interesting. Yeah, that happens in the New Testament that way. So, you know, maybe your encouragement would be, especially as you get into these chapters in the Bible, like in Chronicles and Matthew 1, We've all rushed Matthew 1, right? The genealogy of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Luke has his own genealogy. Which is phenomenal. Which is phenomenal. But these names matter. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yep. I mean, there's some key in the genealogy specifically. Like, think of like links of a chain, right? So Luke's going to try to connect Jesus by link, like all the way to a few people that are really significant. Right. Now, his main audience is not a Jewish audience. We got Theophilus. Yeah. But he's he it's important to establish Jesus's Jewish and Messianic roots. So yeah. what are some names you would you would anticipate to show up in the in the chain? Right. It's like David should be there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. You got a messianic promise from the kingdom of David. Yeah. We should probably find Abraham there, right? Because right. it's gonna be in the family of Abraham. And then Luke goes one step further and he goes to Adam, yep. which Matthew doesn't. And so he, he connects Jesus all the way to Adam. Adam, which is the offspring of Adam, which was a messianic promise. Totally. So with an unbroken chain, Luke does the hard work of genealogy from Jesus to Adam Mm -hmm. through David and Abraham, which is just incredible. Yeah. So then you get the full picture of Jesus, son of God, son of man. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's a very Eastern thing, idea for us to think about names mattering that much. Because, you know, in in American history, I can know you, but necessarily, I don't care who your dad is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in other cultures where I've been, they're like, who's your father? What does he do? Who was your grandfather? What did he do? And they want to know where my genealogy came from. Yeah. It gives me position in that culture. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different culture, but really important. Yeah, really like important. Family name. Yeah, family. family honor, shame. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. I think, so... When we think about like Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod, you know, we have a tetriarch, right? Tetriarch. Tetriarch of Abilene, this guy. Is that Abilene, Texas? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Ananias, well, Annas and Caiaphas. And then it says John, the son of Zechariah. He's really maybe micro zooming in to the story we're about to read right yeah well he began that story right right in the beginning of luke so he even begins with the story of john the baptist right before jesus because it's this orderly account like okay let me get the pieces in place for theophilus so it's interesting i was thinking you know as john prepared the people's heart to receive jesus yeah it's like luke is starting to prepare theophilus or prepare the people who are going to read his letter yeah 
to receive Jesus. So he started with John, not Jesus, but the birth, birth story of John, then the birth story of Jesus, and then the kind of the adolescence of Jesus, and then the beginning of John's ministry, all to set the scene and prepare the lover of God, Theophilus, yeah. to receive Jesus. Like yeah. as John was preparing people, like Luke is trying to prepare people in his own way. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that Luke, by number count of Greek words, has the most written in the New Testament. Not verses, but by the yeah, Greek volume, yeah. volume between Luke and Acts. It shows you that Luke actually had someone, Theophilus, may possibly, who supported him to write on papyrus this story, which would have cost so much money. Mm -hmm. Compared to, you know, Paul sending a letter. Does that make sense? Oh, my goodness. And that's why John, I mean, that's why Luke has the opportunity to tell us some details we don't get in some other places. Yeah. Or stories that we don't hear in other places. All right, so you're looking at Luke, Jay, and you're saying Luke has some a lot of original content. Yeah. As far as what, it's, what he's captured, just yeah. because of volume, length. Because of his volume and his sort of makeup as a doctor, investigator. Yeah. You see, you keep saying investigative journalist, which makes sense. It puts it in our context. We're about to have Lee Schrobel this weekend, so I see what you're doing there. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> but, you know. I, okay, but here's my question, though. Yeah. So you got Luke. What are you most interested to see in the book of Luke? Like what, what content have you already been around going, man, I can't wait to unpack that more? Well, it doesn't take you more than a few verses in Luke to realize the book is about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's, it's a dominant character in Luke and in Acts. So so many times people say that it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit instead of the Acts of the Apostles or mm -hmm. Acts of the Church or whatever. Um, I think even in Luke, you see it from the first... I mean, I'm reading, the, I'm reading along with you guys and like I'm writing down in my side notes, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I'm like... Angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit are the dominant characters in the first couple chapters of Luke. Yeah. I'm excited about that because I think I've tracked the theme of the Holy Spirit in Acts. Just it's easier. You're sort of more aware. But you really have to be aware that the Holy Spirit is actually doing something big within the characters of Acts. And it just shows you that the Trinity really is the Trinity because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all show up on the scene within the first two chapters of Luke. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a really good observation that, you know, as we travel through for everyone who's listening, just pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a very Trinitarian theme of Luke that I think I haven't paid attention to very often. Uh, I would say one of my favorite things about Luke, Luke is my favorite gospel, so I've, I've been there a lot, and I love Luke. Is it Luke. because of Star Wars? And Darth Vader. No, it's because Luke, I think it's. I am your father. I love history, so it really captures that historical piece for me. And I love that it's two volumes, Luke and Acts, which is really fascinating to me. And I wish if I had it my way, I said this in staff meeting a few weeks ago, I would take John and put him somewhere else. I don't know how you do that. You go Matthew, Mark, John, and then Luke and Acts, maybe, or maybe John is the first book in the New Testament. So then Genesis is in the beginning, and John is in the beginning. Oh, that'd be interesting. I've never thought of that that way. But anyways. We should, I, we should get a church council going. 
and let some people the know. Council of We've Erie. had some thoughts on a podcast. Yeah, the Council, council of Erie. <laughs> we meet for two years. Like, bring you. the bishops in. Oh, <laughs> uh, church history joke. I think that's the only place to to, to put it. But yeah. anyway, uh, I think uh, that's really interesting. That's a two volume work. They're interconnected more than you think they are. And you probably should read Luke and then immediately read Acts. If you read Luke and then don't read Acts, you're sort of missing the whole story. Uh, I think that's really interesting. The other thing is the women in Luke, there's a highlighting of women who are actually first in faith and understanding who Jesus is. Also, there's a, a elevation of women that happened in Luke that is very unique to the first century. I think that's fascinating. Kingdom talk in the middle of Luke, the discipleship of Jesus, which is from basically Luke after nine into Luke 17, 18 is really a great theme. You want to know how to be a disciple, what the cost of the kingdom is. That's your section of Luke. And then finally, my favorite thing, theme through Luke and Acts actually is this thing that um, scholars call table fellowship. And it's the idea that Jesus and the disciples are around the table eating together and a lot of important, important um, key ideas, teaching people happen around that table. So he eats with sinners and tax collectors. He eats with Pharisees and religious elites. He eats with uh, Zacchaeus, a tax collector. You know, like these, there's communion. I think Luke is giving us a, a picture of what the first hundred years of the church was, which was it was around the square foot of your table. Mm -hmm. And that's where the community really thrived the best. It was around not only food and drink around people who don't look like you, but also communion and opening God's word. I think it's just fascinating for Luke. That's good. Yeah. It gets me excited. Yeah, there's just so many. And Luke 15, my favorite but, chapter yep. of the whole Bible. All the lost. All the, the lost things, in there. Yeah. So it, what's, what's in 15 for you specifically? Is it prodigal? Yeah, it's the prodigal. It's the lost sons and the father. Um, I... I I have studied that passage since I've been a Christian. And I still don't feel like I've reached the conclusion of what that means. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those parts of scripture. You know, I actually had an aunt years ago who told me she read two verses. She read her Bible every day. She read two verses every day for about four years to discover the meaning of the text, like how to really live this. How do, how was this going to flesh out? I think that's just fascinating. That's like legit that's meditation of, yeah. Yeah, of Scripture. She read her other Bible passage for the day, but she always came back to these two every day for about four years until she felt like the Lord was done working in her these two verses. And Luke 15 is that for me. Mm. Like I, I think about, that story probably more than I should. And I am captured by that story um, out of all the stories of the Bible. That's cool. So, yeah. I'm yeah. not even preaching on it. I, ho I hope that really for everyone who attends, 
Luke in this fall and going to the spring. Like there's something like that for them. Yeah. Where it's just like, man, Jesus is that good. Yep. And I have got to spend more time here around this narrative to wrestle something out. Yeah. What do you, what do you, as you've been studying, as you've been prepping all summer, reading books, looking at the text, praying, what are you excited about with Luke? I think a better understanding of what Jesus said and did. Okay. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I just, I want to know more of what he said so I can grasp it more because there's something where getting a, like, if I just said, Hey, we're going to look at Jesus for a year. We're just going to get alongside the life of Jesus. That's, that is to my benefit Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I think there's a way in which we come casually to it, or at least I'll speak for myself, come casually enough to it and frequently enough to it that I often miss what he's saying. Uh And I want, I want the full, I want the full picture. And Jesus is both super gracious, right? Right. Like I am gentle and lowly. And at the same time, man, he stirs up people's life where it's like, you got to do something with this Jesus. So, I mean, even I think about going into this weekend, we're going to be in Luke chapter four. And what we're going to do is actually we're going to look at the inaugural address. And so Jesus sets up like what he's doing, what he's here to do. Mm -hmm. I won't give too many things away, but here's a little appetizer. And after he said all these things in verse 22, it says, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. They're like, whoa, I love this Jesus. And then just like a couple verses later, he continues to speak. And a couple verses later, verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath and they try to go murder him. And it's like, whoa, 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 what just happened with this Jesus? And this is like what I think I'm I'm anxious to know for the whole book is like, give me the real Jesus, the one he wants me to know. Because if I just take him for the things that I, I hear, I'm like, oh, I like that. I just marvel at the graciousness of his words. And then I move on with my day. It's like, oh, I like, I like bobblehead Jesus. Totally. But then he's like, let me explain a couple of things to you. And you're like, oh, man, that messes with my life. I got to do something about this. Yep. Either I got to put him away or I got to put me away, you know? And that's, I like it. That's, man, that's going to be really challenging, though. That's really challenging so to, to that, live that way. Yeah. To read it that way. Should be good. I'm excited. All right, Calvary, we're so thankful you're listening to us. Thanks, Thomas, for sitting down with us this week on the weekly. If you got any observations about what you're excited about, Luke, we would love to hear from you, as well as your top top five movies. You said ten. I want five. There we go, five. Give me your five best movies of all time. We might read them on the weekly next week. Might. And not say your last name. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Calvary, we're so good to be with you again. Thanks for jumping in on the, on the conversation. Like always, go to calvarybible.com. Hear what's going on in your neck of the woods at your campus. And above and beyond, we're so thankful for you. Thanks for praying for us as we pray for you. May we continue to be people who look at Luke and are challenged by Jesus himself and ushered along in our journey with the Holy Spirit, living in that power. All right, have a great week. Talk to you soon.